the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Station. With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRostra. China says it has no choice except to fight back against tariffs imposed by President Trump. Today, they raised import duties on some $34 billion worth of American goods, including soybeans, electric cars, and whiskey. China analyst Erland X says in retaliation, China's avoiding tech products. They are very dependent on cooperating with the world. Uh, they are the center of global supply chains. Um, but in the future, they want to grow up these uh, value chains and become the center of uh, value creation, innovation, finance, and so on. The U.S. and other trading partners complain that China violates its free trade pledges. A second sheriff's deputy died after being shot while an inmate was being transported Friday to a Kansas City courthouse. This is SRN News. Mark Levin explains how you can put him in the Radio Hall of Fame. A handful of people get nominated for the Radio Hall of Fame each year. I have no idea how it works exactly, but I was nominated. And, of course, I'm very grateful. And the reason I was nominated is because of you. You can text your vote. Text the number 500 to 96000. You can also vote. You go online by going to radiovote.com. Mark Levin, weeknights at 8 on AM 1280. The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. And as I mentioned before, speaking of intelligent, more with Mitch Berg and the Narn in just moments. Let's hop right into that forecast today. It's a little interesting. Showers mixed in throughout the day today. Some of these could be severe and heavy at times. Otherwise, sunny and hot with a daytime high of 94. Heat index values today as high as 102. Make sure you're staying plenty hydrated and plenty cool. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network, the longest-running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities. It's great to be back in Minnesota today. Political analysis of the good, the bad, and the outright crazy. Now, here's your headline act, Mitch Bird. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. It's the wind beneath the right wing, the show that says send us your... Tired, huddled masses yearning to see red. The Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. My name is Mitch Berg. My blog, shotinthedark.info. 16 years strong as one of Minnesota's foremost uh, blogs in general about the subjects of politics, history, music, current affairs, and whatever grabs me. Uh, join us at shotinthedark.info every weekday morning and some weekend mornings if I'm feeling up to it. Um, that's that's what I do when I'm not here, which is every Saturday from 1 to 3, the headliner edition of the Northern Alliance Radio Network, 14 years of dominating Twin Cities weekend radio, ergo Twin Cities Radio, uh, along with my friends Brad Carlson, who is up every Sunday from 2 to 3, uh, here on AM 1280, and our good friend King Banyan, perhaps the best radio broadcast in America on the subject of economics every Saturday morning, 9 to 11 on our sister station, AM 1440, The Businessman. Uh, 
you might say, Mitch, why are you a major market weekend radio host that dominates your market with uh, as as an absolute but benevolent despot? I said because I come up with segues, like the one we just had, talking about the ongoing fracas over Minnesota's uh, housing plan for the next twenty five years and its impact on people who've spent their lives working on building homes around and about Minneapolis. And our next guest and this next subject, uh, that's why just years of practice is what brings it to me. It's, it's not natural. It's years of training. That leads us to our next subject. Uh, author, one of three authors of the book, Moving Towards Integration, the Past and Future of Fair Housing, along with Yana Kocheva and Jonathan Zaslav. It's my pleasure to welcome to the broadcast Professor Richard Sander from the University of California, Los Angeles, one of the three authors of the book. Professor Sander, welcome to the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Well, thank you for having me, Mitch. Absolutely a pleasure here. Housing, a topic near and dear to our heart on this broadcast, as I live in the middle of uh, St. Paul, a city that uh, seems bent on following Minneapolis, which itself seems bent on following cities like Seattle and Portland on the uh, on the uncontrolled gentrification and ultra-high-density uh, bandwagon, uh, which... Given what we've seen in all these cities, would seem to be a, a supercharging of the whole idea of making housing less fair, at least from from where I sit. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book, moving toward integration, uh, Professor Sander. Well, the the general purpose of the book is to provide a, a history and explanation of how housing segregation in America has evolved, what uh, what governments have tried to do about it, and how effective they've been, and. Um, a lot of the book is about the Fair Housing Act of 1968, which we just observed the 50th anniversary of, um, which was one of the capstones of the of the 1960s civil rights era, but has never really been understood in terms of what it did. So a lot of uh, what we try to do is um, bring new data and uh, and new sources to bear on understanding what it did, and trying to understand um, why fair housing continues to be an issue in America. Now, judging from a purely anecdotal perspective as someone who lives in a city with uh, actually one of two cities, the Twin Cities, with where I think it's probably fair to say the, the, the splits between the haves and the has-nots when it comes to housing has grown more exacerbated in the 30 years I've lived in the Twin Cities. Uh, since you mentioned the things that work and the things that do not work, I, I think it's fair to say I'm living a, in the middle of a of an oasis of does not work. Uh, so so you, you described those two extremes, things that do and do not work uh, over the past 50 years. Um, let's let's talk about both of them. First of all, let, let's talk about the failures that we've had. Am, am I right in looking at cities like Minneapolis, where you have areas of intense gentrification uh, side by side, almost literally, with places like North Minneapolis, where things just keep getting worse and worse. Are, are we looking, am I correct in pointing that out as a particularly egregious failure? And and what parts of the Fair Housing Act, in a larger sense, have been uh, egregious failures, in your in your opinion, Professor Sander? Well, I've got, to, I've got to make a disclaimer. I don't know much about what's going on in Minneapolis right now. Um, I, I've I do know sort of the evolution of segregation there, but also I'm I'm writing in the book about um, uh, fair housing and housing segregation. In other words, I'm I'm focusing on the African American experience with uh, with urban segregation and how that's changed. So we do uh, examine and, and analyze some broader housing market patterns, and we do uh, 
I think brings some important new light on gentrification. But the book is not uh, is not a general kind of review of broad housing policies and, and why housing is becoming more expensive or deteriorating or so on. Um, so with that caveat, let, let me just say a couple things about what the Fair Housing Act succeeded and failed in doing. Uh, its big success, I think, was in dealing with housing discrimination. So the, the terms of the Fair Housing Act were basically to ban discrimination in private housing markets. Uh, and that, that affects how people are treated in you know, when they go and look for housing. In, in the 1960s, housing discrimination was still quite pervasive. African Americans were likely to encounter discrimination in white markets about 90% of the time. But by 1980, uh, 10 years after the act went into effect, that rate had fallen by about two-thirds. Uh, and it's continued to fall since then. Um, when you say fallen by two-thirds, how, how, is, how is that particular attribute, I mean, empirically measured? I mean, for those of us who don't work sure. uh, in the field, how, how do you measure by h- how? I feel less articulate <laughs> as I go here. Carry on, Professor. <laughs> <laughs> well, the general idea is something called fair housing testing. Okay. So the notion is that you, you recruit uh, a bunch of testers and you, and you pair them up so that you get uh, pairs of black and white testers who are similar in, in almost all respects except for their skin complexion. So, um, and where they're not similar, you give them kind of a profile to use when they look for housing, uh, how to describe their occupation, their education, their income, and so on. Sounds like an academic you, version of the MTV classic show Punked, if I may just throw in a aside there, but yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, that's right. So, uh, so you're, 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 it's, it's essentially a controlled experiment where you're seeing how people are treated when you control for everything except their race. And, you know, in the 1960s, uh, it was pretty standard practice for real estate agents and, and large landlords and so on to just have policies that they wouldn't rent to African Americans. So a lot of the dismantling of that is what propelled those rates down by, by 1980. Um, if you look at the most recent testing results, I, I think it happened in 2010, um, some of the measures of, of discrimination are extraordinarily low, like 1% or 2%. There are other measures that... Uh, record a little bit more subtle discrimination. But there's no question that we've really transformed the landscape of, uh, of what treatment people experience in the housing markets. So that's a major accomplishment. Um, on the failure side, there's the continued problem of housing segregation. And segregation is referring to where people live within cities, how concentrated they are. And we use something called an index of dissimilarity to measure this, um, where 100 would be complete apartheid where you, you, you know, like in the way South Africa once was, where you had zones for blacks and zones for whites. And zero would be complete integration, where you had the same proportion of blacks and whites on every block. So before the Fair Housing Act was passed, um, segregation levels in, in urban areas in America were in the low 90s on that zero to 100 scale, which is really extraordinarily high. Um, now they're in around the low 70s, so it's fallen some, but compared to uh, most ethnic groups in America, it's still quite high. So if you look at Jewish Americans or Chinese Americans, their rates are more like in the in the 30s or low 40s. Um, and within that that 70 low 70s average for blacks, we see some areas where it's still very high, still in the mid 80s, and some areas where it's it's fallen quite a bit. So. So that opens up another puzzle: is why why are segregation levels so different across different American cities? 
And, and have you, well, first of all, I mean, to what do you attribute the drop? First of all, I'm surprised that the drop was as low as that. I mean, 20-point drop over the course of, if, I, if I'm recalling you right, 50-odd years here. I, yep. uh, the idea that things are still up in the 70s for African-Americans is still a, a tad surprising. Uh, on the other hand, it sounds like a relatively empirical process to reach that number, which is, is a surprise to me. So it's, it's, it's good to hear as far as that goes. But to what do you attribute, first of all, the drops, in the, the, the changes over the past 50 years in, in discrimination? And have you come up with a thesis as, why, as to why it's different in different areas? Well, the discrimination fell because uh, I think mainly because the Justice Department did a great job of enforcing the law. Um, there was a, a very dynamic team led by a guy named Frank Schwelb, who uh, uh, himself was a, a refugee from, from Nazi Europe. And uh, uh, Schwelb put together a team in the Nixon administration in the 1970s that just uh, really came up with uh, a strategy of identifying key real estate players in different metropolitan areas and uh, documenting what their practices were and then uh, bringing suits but one of the interesting things Schwab did is that uh, he didn't try to he didn't really try to, to win large judgments against these companies. He basically brought suits and then would enter into consent decrees, where he'd essentially get the companies to admit, yeah, we were we were discriminating and we're going to stop. When you say companies, are we talking mortgage companies, property companies? Who who is the target of these of these actions? Well, you know, there was a lot of publicity in 2016. The the Trump family was the target of one of these actions because they were large uh, uh, landlords in the New York area. Okay. Uh, it focused on big landlords and focused on major real estate uh, brokerage firms, you know, Century 21-type firms, um, uh, uh, apartment placement services, anyone that was involved in, in sort of the business of uh, either selling housing, running housing, helping people find homes. So... I think uh, just six or seven years of that really had a, a very powerful impact on the market. You can see in, in the internal minutes of um, the National Association of Realtors, for example, just a recognition that things have changed. We really have to move from uh, resisting this to, to embracing it. And so that was a big social change. Um, in terms of segregation, what we find is that the, the places that that had real drops in segregation were places that were um, demographically dynamic. Uh, so a good contrast is between San Diego and, Cal and, and Chicago. Chicago had very little progress. San Diego had a lot. And both areas had civil rights activity. Both areas saw drops in discrimination. So there wasn't any difference there. But San Diego had a big economic expansion in the 70s and 80s. And a lot of new migrants, including tens of thousands of new African-Americans moving from other cities around the country. And I'd like to get and, into that. We're yep. up against a break here, Professor Senek. We sure. keep you for another segment here because this segues nicely into a question I wanted to follow up with. Uh, actually, almost perfect. Almost as if it was planned, Professor Sander. Uh, so I'll look forward to doing that right after the break here. Uh, we're talking with Professor Richard H. Sander, uh, one of three authors of the book Moving Toward Integration, the Past and Future of Fair Housing, uh, an issue that is of, of paramount importance to the future of the core Twin Cities among among any, many other cities in this country. Uh, 651-289-4488, the number to call. If you have questions for Professor Sander and much more, the Northern Alliance, AM 1280, The Patriot.
Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people. They're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-518-4020. 800-518-4020. That's 800-518-4020. Become politically involved with Patriot Mobile, the only conservative cell phone company in the nation that fights for your values while supporting conservative organizations and providing reliable nationwide coverage on unlimited plans starting at just $20 a month. For only $6 while supplies last, you can save and get the iPhone 6S or a brand new Samsung J7. Make the switch at 1-800-APATRIOT or visit PatriotMobile.com. That's 1-800-APATRIOT or PatriotMobile.com. Patriot listeners, save up to 25% on your business cleaning services. Are you thinking of changing your cleaning company? Are you looking for cleaner bathrooms, dust-free windowsills, and a higher level of quality control? Hi, I'm Jessica Carter, owner of CTC Professionals. We specialize in cleaning car dealerships and office buildings throughout the Twin Cities metro area. You'll get high-quality service when you choose us as your cleaning service provider. Call us at 651-404-0132 or visit our website at affordablebusinesscleaning.com. As a bonus to Patriot listeners, You'll get your first initial cleaning at no cost and up to 25% off your first full month of service. We will work hard to make your facility as clean as possible without breaking your budget. So call us today at 651-404-0132. That's 651-404-0132. Or visit our website at affordablebusinesscleaning.com. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. Northern Alliance Radio Network, 651-289-4488. Don't forget, Americans for Prosperity. This afternoon, Jason Flores hosting Representative Jim Nash. Topics, uh, corporate handouts, and a look at the current state of the Minnesota economy. That's uh, with Jason Flores, Americans for Prosperity, here on AM 1280, The Patriot, 4 o'clock every Saturday, continuing our dominance of the Twin Cities uh, airwaves. Uh, with us, of course, this half hour, uh, Professor Richard Sander of the University of California, Los Angeles, the uh, co-author, along with Yana Kuchela and Jonathan Zasloff of the book Moving Toward Integration, the Past and Future of Fair Housing. You introduced a subject I was, I was interested in particular, uh, Professor, uh, Sander, uh, 
uh, contrasting the uh, discrimination rates in Chicago and San Diego. Uh, obviously, San Diego, uh, San Diego, a city that's uh, highly dynamic economically, has been growing for quite some time, as opposed to Chicago, which it could be said to be fairly established and uh, politically a very different place than San Diego over the course of the last 50 years. The question I have is, is the difference in... Uh, has the difference in in discrimination rates, according to the experimental method you talked about in the first uh, segment here, a matter of policy following economics or uh, economics following policy? And and uh, has has the rates of discrimination been responding more to policy and differences in policies between the the two cities, or the differences in economics opening up uh, the opportunity to be to too less discrimination between the two markets, uh, Professor uh, Sander. Yeah, well, to be clear, discrimination rates fell in both places a lot. Right. Uh, the, the big difference is what happened to segregation, how concentrated people were. And uh, I would say that that the, the policy effect was that lowering discrimination was a necessary but not sufficient condition to lower segregation. So as long as discrimination was really high, both places were going to be very segregated. They were both very segregated through the 1960s. But once you lowered discrimination, then the more dynamic economy and and demographic changes in San Diego had a big effect on segregation. So African Americans who moved, say, from um, New York City or Atlanta to San Diego in the 70s and 80s saw this more fair housing environment and moved uh, with great frequency into heavily white neighborhoods and did so on such a scattered basis that um, that there was no pattern of resegregation. In other words, blacks who lived in San Diego would see that these neighborhoods were becoming more integrated. They would they would also move to them. But this was happening simultaneously in 20 or 30 different neighborhoods in San Diego. So the black presence in all of them remained relatively modest. Whereas in Chicago, you had a fall in discrimination. You also had lots of blacks moving into white neighborhoods. But they were mostly blacks who already lived in Chicago, and they were making small moves to neighborhoods that were essentially adjacent to existing black areas. So that meant that there was more black black migration concentrated in very few neighborhoods, and therefore those neighborhoods tended to resegregate. So the at the end of the day, in Chicago, you had an expansion of black districts and more housing available to blacks, but you were still highly segregated. Whereas in San Diego, you had a, a real dispersion of the black population and more whites moving into the black areas as well. So you had really dramatic increases in integration. So speaking of immigration, has, has this been primarily a, a pattern of behavior towards African-Americans or has there been a similar uh, pattern in relation to Latinos, to uh, immigrants from other parts of the world to the United States? And especially given your location in California, uh, to the to Asian immigrants over the years, has this has these patterns been consistent across various ethnic groups? Is this largely a phenomenon of of uh, relations with the African American community? Well, it, you know, everything in race has changed a lot in the last sixty or seventy years, but it was much more abrupt with African Americans. Right. For for a lot of other groups, the key event was uh, was actually twenty years earlier in in nineteen forty eight. Supreme Court uh, made a ruling called Shelley against Kramer, which said that courts can no longer enforce restrictive covenants. And these were these uh, collective agreements that, that uh, usually whites would enter into to uh, prevent anyone who signed the agreement from selling to designated minority groups. 
while restrictive covenants were common in the 30s and 40s, um, Jews and, and Asian Americans uh, and Mexican Americans all experienced a lot of segregation comparable to what, what blacks did. But, uh, but once restrictive covenants went away, all those groups started assimilating much more rapidly and, uh, and essentially started following the kind of assimilation model that we saw with, with European Americans in the, in the 19th and early 20th centuries. So those, those groups have generally had much smoother uh, kind of gliding paths into integrated living, whereas blacks uh, have are, are really are, are just kind of the, the outlier in terms of continued segregation in many cities. So, for a moment, leaving aside the fact that, that the discrimi- rates of discrimination have changed, albeit apparently by not nearly the rate uh, that I as a, and many of us, I suspect, as lay people looking at this uh, and reading this research might suspect, uh, it has changed. Uh, what, has there been any change in the nature of discrimination? I mean, is it still primarily a racial thing or has, as I have suspected as a pet theory for some time, has class taken a larger role, has economic class and, and, uh, and things pertaining to it taken a larger role in the nature of housing discrimination in this country? Well, again, this discrimination, how people are treated in the market has, has gotten dramatically better everywhere, right. and that includes for African Americans. So we're talking about segregation and how concentrated people are. Right. Now, the way that segregation has changed for blacks is that, is that in the 70s, as, uh, say, let's look at Chicago, where segregation overall remained high for blacks, but as I said, you had a lot of African Americans moving into uh, districts that whites had previously occupied, so a lot of neighborhood transition. That, that movement meant that um, middle-class blacks were now moving into areas of usually single-family homes uh, that have been occupied by whites. And, and those middle-class blacks were moving out of the core ghettos that existed in the mid-20th century, leaving behind uh, a, a sort of a poor, more concentrated black population. And that's where we really start seeing uh, what we describe as the black underclass, uh, really concentrated areas of poverty. And, and those are the areas uh, where we see, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, growth of single-family parents, um, um, uh, centers of crime, a lot of drug activity, really high unemployment. So a lot of the reason why in the segregated areas like Chicago that we've still had uh, very slow progress for blacks overall is this kind of concentration of poverty in, in the middle of black districts. And areas like San Diego that have integrated have... Uh, just seen steady improvement in black outcomes. You have black unemployment rates are, are somewhat higher than white unemployment rates, but, but not much. Black test scores start converging with white test scores. Black and white family structure starts looking more the same. Um, so you really kind of see this path of two different types of cities in America, um, one where blacks are making progress and one where you kind of, kind of have this underclass problem. Now, do you, and that's, and that fascinates me because I, as, as again, living as I do in St. Paul, a city with, where the education system has among the worst disparities in, a, in a, what they call the achievement gap in the country, uh, notwithstanding uh, Minnesota's inordinate pride in its education system, I, I, that's, that's kind of a hot topic here in the Twin Cities. And while I'm not asking you to be an expert, on uh, on Twin Cities local conditions, uh, Professor Sander, I'm wondering if if in noticing 
this uh, disparity, this this, uh, this splitting into two different types of cities, as you described it, uh, if if you see that as primarily a function of discrimination, or if you factor into this any other uh, you know aspects of policy, uh, is there any other any other inputs to this split between the, the different types of cities? Yeah, I mean, discrimination is I think has become a relatively marginal factor. It's still you know, it's still there, it's still important to pay attention to, but uh, discrimination is not driving these differences between the cities. It's, it's, uh, it's how their internal segregation dynamics have evolved. And, uh, and that means that it's, you know, it's more malleable. We don't have to sort of change everyone's behavior. We just have to kind of recognize, here are the things that have worked in areas that have become more integrated, and let's see if we can foster some of the same mechanisms in other cities. So I, I, I see it as a much more um, hopeful development because I think fundamentally discrimination was probably a harder thing to, to address than segregation if we if we focus on segregation as a distinct problem. So we got about a minute uh, remaining, uh, Professor Sander. Of course, your your book, Moving Towards Integration: The Past and Future of Fair Housing, along with your co-authors Yana Kucheva and Jonathan Zaslav. I have a link to the uh, the book, by the way, at shotinthedark.info uh, for those who are interested in checking out. Do you have any particular? Does the book, I should say, take any particular uh, stances on on policies that that you're advocating going forward for for governments, for people, for society at large? Yeah, we have about a forty-page roadmap of of where we think policy should go, and and we we use Buffalo as a case study of a segregated city and map out how over fifteen years you could you could make it quite integrated if you uh, adopted a set of coordinated policies. The the, the important thing I want to emphasize uh, is that most of the things we argue for are market-based and and entirely voluntary, and focusing on trying to encourage patterns that facilitate integration. Because I think we're we're more than halfway there. We just need to focus on segregation as a problem, and if we use creative policies to address it, I, I think it, I think it's a problem that can be solved. Richard Sanders, thanks for coming on the break. I could easily spend another half or hour on this if we weren't booked solid here today. Uh, I may have to do this again. So, if you come out with uh, moving towards integration too, we'll have to do this again sometime. Thanks for coming on the broadcast with us today. Love to. Thanks a lot. Bye Absolutely, uh, Richard Sander, uh, author of uh, "Moving Toward Integration: The Past and Future." Of fair housing, I've got the link at shotinthedark.info if you're uh, if you're looking for some some light reading for the summer here. Uh, a fascinating subject, especially if you are in the Twin Cities. Uh, more and more when we come back, we'll be back with uh, the folks from Better Angels. Go nowhere, Northern Alliance AM twelve eighty, the Patriot. I'm Pastor David Mitchell, founder and CEO of Tradeway. I've been in the ministry for over 30 years now, and because the Lord has continued to bless my business endeavors, I've never had to take a salary from the church, which has been a huge blessing in my life and a great way for me to give back to the Lord's work. I'd like to share with you my thoughts on the importance of the family business. You know, these days, people send their children to college to learn a trade that no one in the family has done before. They move away, they work for someone who doesn't love them, and then they trade their infinitely valuable time for a little bit of someone else's money. 
The old plan was to get a job but lay aside each month and later start a family business. As the owner, you leverage the time of others and earn off hundreds of man hours per day. It's called financial leverage. The added benefit is that each generation teaches the next and builds on these skill sets, and your children have the competitive advantage of experience. That's a great plan for potentially creating generational wealth. Tradeway offers you the vehicle to start such a family business by teaching you how to trade in the stock market. Perhaps you're intimidated or confused by the world of investing, but Tradeway is here to help you break down that confusing world of finance so that you can understand it. We're not your typical big Wall Street investment advisory firm. We keep it fun, simple, and personal from day one. We offer our students a powerful education on how to trade in the U.S. stock and options market coupled with sound investment advice and all from our family business. We're here to help you reach your biggest goals through taking small steps. Join us and bring your family. Coming to the Westin Edina Galleria, June 15th and 16th. Only $99.95 for your entire household, plus a free ticket for a friend and a full money-back guarantee. To register, call 877-907-TRADE. That's 877-907-8723. Or go to Tradeway.com. That's Tradeway.com. TwinCitiesTuitions.com has been helping families for over seven years get into the school of their dreams. We have placed over 90 kids into private education, including Stacy's son. I have to say that this was an answer to prayer. This program made it possible for my son to transition into ninth grade into a wonderful school. Dealing with the station, particularly Alyssa, has been such a... A blessing. Education is one of the most important decisions that you can make as a parent. The difference that I've seen in in my son in a Christian education is a confidence that can only come from Jesus Christ. He stands firm in the truth. He knows what he believes, and he's going to know that that Jesus is the answer. Don't pay more than you need to for your child's first year of private school. Call me, Alyssa Brecken, at 651-289-4406, or visit our website, at TwinCitiesTuitions.com. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network six five one two eight nine four four eight eight. The number to call should you care to join us. We're also found on Twitter at hashtag NARN Show. That's NARN Show. Perhaps you've heard the United States is polarized, has tribalized, has split into two drastically competing segments, each convinced that they are right and the other side is wrong. And the fact that you're listening to a conservative talk show uh, on a conservative station indicates that there's a certain amount of traction to that idea out there. In fact, our good friend Dennis Prager uh, points out, I think with some accuracy, that we are in the middle of a second civil war in this country. It is civil. It's a largely nonviolent civil war, at least in terms of, of, of systematic activity. But there's a lot of enmity. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of ire being cast back and forth. And I will confess, at times, I have thrown a bit of it myself and gotten plenty of it splashed on me. And there are those who say it's time to, to take a step back, to take a look at, at what, in fact, we can do to bring our nation's politics and our nation's discourse to a more civil level. And with us 
Uh, to discuss that from the organization Better Angels, our next guest, uh, Bill Doherty, joins us. Mr. Doherty, welcome to the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hello there. Hi, how are you doing today? Good, good. I'm fine. Glad to be talking with you. Uh, likewise. I had the, the pleasure and uh, of, uh, of participating in one of your events about a month ago out in Hopkins. Uh, and it was an interesting, uh, interesting exercise, interesting, uh, interesting couple of hours that I spent without going into describing it too much on my own part just yet. Uh, tell us a little bit about the organization, uh, Better Angels, Mr. Darty. Yeah, so Better Angels, um, by the way, the, the phrase is from Lincoln's first inaugural address, the, we called for the better angels of our nature to avoid the Civil War. That's right. Um, is, um, is a nonprofit that, um, is a citizen group that trying to depolarize America, if you want to say what the big goal is. Uh, and we've developed a, a series of, of uh, workshops uh, to bring what we call reds and blues together uh, for either a few hours or a full, for a full day with the purpose of not trying to have people change their minds, each other's minds, but to understand each other more completely and to see if they can find any common ground. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you do on a uh, on the ground level. I mean, I, I, I participated in one of your sessions. I've actually described it on an earlier broadcast because it was, it was an interesting uh, interesting exercise on many levels. But describe uh, what is involved in, uh, in, in a session with better angels uh, like the one I participated in a while ago, uh, Mr. Doherty. Yeah, yeah. So we, we start out with uh, what the goals are, and I just described those goals, and we have some ground rules. Uh, and uh, then we do uh, um, an exercise where we, we call the stereotypes exercise, where in, in brief, each group separately comes up with the top four or five most common negative false stereotypes of their own side, and they go through those, each of those, they vote on their top group, and, and then they go through each of them and say, why is this wrong? What do we like instead? If the other side sees us in this stereotype way, what do we really like? And then they address the question, is there any kernel of truth in it? Is there something that, uh, that you know, is partially true of our group? Uh, and then so both the, the groups do that, and then they come back together, and there's a reporter for each group uh, who goes through those, saying this is what we think other people see uh, uh, us as, and this is how we see ourselves. And then a little humility, you know, that you know, there's some, maybe some kernels of truth in some of these. And then the group around the table addresses the question, the two-part question, what did you learn about how the other side sees themselves, and did you see anything in common? Mm-hmm. Then the second exercise is what we call fishbowl exercise, <clears throat> that is, one group is in the middle, circle chairs with a facilitator. The other group sits in a circle outside. Uh, and the group on the outside's job is to listen to this group of people who have similar views talk among themselves about uh, two questions. Uh, the first one is, why are your side's values and policies good for the country? And then the second question is, what are your reservations or concerns about your own side? And then they shift, inner circle moves out, the outer circle moves in. And after all that, again, around the table, the two-part question, what did you learn about how the other side sees themselves, and did you say anything in common? Uh, in the day-long workshop, that's the, so this is what the three-hour one was, and then we're finishing up. In the day-long workshop, we add an exercise, which is a question-to-answer exercise, and that is each side separately, separate rooms, comes up with four good questions 
they want to ask the other side. Not gotcha questions, but like, I want to understand more. I want to deepen this. I'm curious about this. And then they meet in small groups and they have a question and answer period. And then the last exercise of the full day is what are we going to do with this, what we've learned here? What, what kinds of direct action, personal actions do people want to take? What sort of actions together they might want to take? So those are the, those, that's what we do. And it was, I'll say, in, in participating in the evening exercise, the shorter version of the exercise, with the, the first two rounds of activities, the, the stereotypes and the fishbowl, was an interesting process on a lot of different levels, and uh, something I'd actually be interested in participating again personally, and it's something I, I do recommend uh, for people on both sides of, of the putative divide. Uh, it's just what... The the first question I have, uh, Mr. Doherty, is is once you have these exercises, what is the result you're intending to see out of this or hoping to see out of this, both in, as in individuals who participate and as an organization? Yeah, yeah. So the what we're hoping for for the participants <clears throat> is that they will see the other side as more complex and thoughtful than they than they perhaps realized. Um, in other words, they, to not change their own political beliefs, but to change their attitudes towards the other side. <clears throat> there are very uh, thoughtful people who come to these things on both sides. Uh, and, um, and a lot of us learn about the other side through our own media, right, or through our own um, bubble that we're in. And so we want to not change their b- beliefs, but we'll, we hope that their attitudes towards the others will change. <clears throat> As an organization... What we're hoping for is that some of the folks who come to these workshops uh, will want to do more. And frequently when people go through the whole day workshop, they do want to, you know, what, what's next? And so we formed what we call Better Angels Alliances. So there's one in Egan. There's one starting in, in the western suburbs who are going to hopefully grow others, <clears throat> where these are half red and half blue who meet every month and they they discuss policy issues at that point. They see if they have some policy issues in common. And if 70% of the, both sides see something in common that they want to work on, they can work on those. And they sponsor other workshops. So they become, if you will, if the goal is depolarization, they become activists for depolarization. So when you talk about uh, things that the, the participants, especially the people who get more involved in the group, want to work on, what what are the sort of, of jobs they try to tackle as groups? What, what's, what's the yeah. scope of, of what they're trying to bite off here? Well, the, the longest-standing alliance um, in, in Better Angels uh, is uh, in Ohio. That one's been around for over a year because that's where we started. Uh, what they have agreed on and they're tackling uh, is, uh, are, are two things. One is gerrymandering. In fact, they, they helped to get the Ohio referendum on gerrymandering that was you know supported by uh, both sides, uh, and uh, money in politics. Uh, everybody, everybody in that group agrees that this that money is driving too much in politics. So that those are examples of things they they can work on. Six five one two eight nine four four eight eight. The number to call if you have questions for Bill Doherty from Better Angels. Uh, the, of course, the organization is involved is driving towards trying to, to bridge some of the the vituperative divide we had in American politics as. As someone who's been organizing these things for a while, as someone who's been uh, in organizing Better Angels here in Minnesota, a uh, question is, what have you learned? Had anything surprised you about watching 
the two sides actually interact and and open up about their their various views of each other? What what have you personally learned about the, the, this divide here in Minnesota, Mr. Doherty? Yeah, well, what I've learned is that people are more um, self-critical of their own side when given the chance to do that, and then I thought they might be. <clears throat> um, you know, we when we ask this question, what are your reservations or concerns about your own side? Uh, you know, outside of a, of a contentious debate where, you, you know, you don't want to yield ground because if, if I'm critical of my side, you'll just double down and agree with me, um, that people are actually... Um, you know, are actually kind of balanced uh, when it comes to not just being zealots for their own side, given the right environment. That that really has struck me. Yeah, I thought that was interesting myself. I mean, I happened to be with a with a very interesting group of of Reds, if you will, at my particular session. And uh, first of all, I, I thought it was it was interesting to see what well on a couple of levels, interesting to see what what both sides came up with. I mean, without trying to sound like too much of a homer, I thought my group came up with some 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 fairly good feedback. And I got to point out, uh, Mr. Uh, Bill, that I grew up very much as a liberal in a very blue household. My parents are both still very much uh, liberal Democrats. My mom, I'm convinced, would have been a flower child had she not been married with three kids. By 1968, so it's not necessarily like I grew up thinking the other side was the enemy, um, yeah. and so and for all that, it was it was still a, a really fascinating exercise. Uh, can we keep you for one more segment, uh, Bill sure. Doherty? Absolutely, yeah. I got a few questions. By the way, if you have a question for Bill Doherty, uh, by the way, I as someone who works with his voice constantly uh yeah have, having a catch in your throat is, is just my biggest nightmare constantly on the yeah. air here so he give you a couple minutes to take a drink here and, and and deal with that here bill doherty from better angels if you have a question or comment for bill doherty from better angels about uh, the organization his findings or how to get involved give us a call 651-289-4488 it's the northern alliance radio network am 1280 the patriots AM 1280, The Patriot. Picture yourself unemployed for 20, maybe even 30 years. That's what retirement can look like, 20 or 30 years with no paycheck. Consider this. There are over 2,000 rules that govern Social Security. There are hundreds of ways to file for it. It's not surprising so many Americans may be getting less Social Security than they've earned. Will you get the most out of your Social Security benefits? Call Sheila Franks at Lifestyle Financial and Tax Advisors. Sheila and her team will use time-tested methods to help you maximize your Social Security benefit. Get the Social Security benefit you have earned. 763-545-5555. That's 763-545-5555. Sheila and the team at Lifestyle Financial and Tax Advisors, 763-545-5555. Lifestyle Financial and Tax Advisors is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance products to custom suit their needs and objectives. Investment advisory services offered through Global Financial Private Capital, LLC, not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency. Past attendees, when asked about Scott Black's leadership awakening, just smile, shake their head, and say, I can't explain it, but it changed my life. Mr. Black from Like It Matters has released two half-off vouchers for his leadership awakening in Minneapolis, Sacramento, Dallas, or Richmond. Leadership awakening is regularly $2,000. Now with this special offer, is just half price at $1,000. Go to am1280thepatriot.com, click on Deals. Leadership awakening, taking commitment, not applicants. 
Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for a health care plan, or more importantly, if you signed up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program. It's been around for 25 years. They have hundreds of thousands of members all across the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $2.5 billion of each other's medical bills. Best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for family is about 500 bucks a month. Your savings may be less or more, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. You could join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. Here's the number to find out more. There's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. Just hit star star 734. That's star star 734. Star star 734. Pastor, you're searching online for that perfect sermon series that your congregation will really enjoy and benefit from, but you just can't seem to find what you're looking for. I suggest you give sermonsearch.com a try. Sermon Search is packed with sermon outlines from revered Bible teachers who cover every topic you can imagine. You'll also find images, videos, and analogies to complement your presentation of God's message. Be inspired to study, create, and proclaim with SermonSearch.com. AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network, 651-289-4488. Number to call. Don't forget, Justice Hour tomorrow with Andrew Parker talking about the Kim Summit. Of course, Keith Ellison running for the Attorney General's office here in Minnesota. Speaking of your partisan divides, whoa, he went there. No, seriously. Also, don't forget, next week, we're going to have Andy Stelick from the Minnesota Voters Alliance doing the victory lap on his win, his organization's narrow but effective win at the Supreme Court this past week over apparel at the polling stations. Make sure you join us for that, Andy, of course. Longtime friend of this broadcast, and uh, we're among his big fans as well. Be there for that. But right now, we're talking with Bill Doherty of uh, Better Angels, an organization that's dedicated uh, for the last couple of years now to bridging the the rancor of the partisan divide. Basically, trying to temper the rancor of our partisan divide and and trying to to get people to focus on constructive engagement as opposed to well destructive engagement, which certainly has been a factor of political life in this country for for the last, uh, well, it's not a new thing. In fact, we've had many periods of of deeply destructive rancor in our political system in in this country. No excuse not to try and take a run at it here. Uh, Mr. Doherty, your organization at the very grassroots is built around these seven-on-seven Events like I participated in seven conservative leaning participants, seven progressive leaning participants. As someone from St. Paul, I got to say it would be hard to find seven conservatives uh, <laughs> in city. If you're, if you're someplace, or for example, in my mother's, uh, where my mother lives, out in rural North Dakota, likewise, similar problem finding several uh, seven uh, progressive uh, conservatives. Uh, right. Any advice for people who are in places where the the political scales are so drastically off kilter? Yeah, yeah, you have, may have to import them, right? That's right. <laughs> drive, drive them in on a truck. You know, That's to, right. Uh, no, they yeah. built a they built a wall and they made the Republicans pay for it in St. Paul. <laughs> yeah, they they could you could put hoods over their heads to drive them into town. That's right. Uh, smuggle them in. That's right. Smuggle them in. Yeah, um, 
yeah, so what happens sometimes is that, um, you know, the, the uh, remember, we, we, we did one in a college town in New England, and, uh, you know, the, the blues there were from all, all live within, uh, you know, one square mile of where we met, and the reds came from the, you know, the outer uh, burbs. So, um, you know, you can, you, you can get people if you... Now, one of the things we're doing in the Twin Cities is that some of the library systems are sponsoring uh, uh, workshops and so you know reds and blues alike go to libraries <clears throat> and so uh, you just have to put the word out yeah and, I, and I, I i do highly recommend it was interesting i mean it was interesting on a lot of different levels and and i i did learn a whole lot uh, and and it'd be something i'm interested in participating in again i might have to actually uh have a word with you folks but uh well, just as long as we're uh, talking about how can people find out more about better angels and how to how to get involved yeah. in this yeah, so they can just uh, Google Better Angels, uh, and we're first on the, the Google there for Better Angels. Uh, we have a website, um, um, the, the, uh, and you can just give us your email and find out about what's going on. The easiest way to find out about specific workshops is if people are willing to contribute $10, we're a nonprofit, to become an actual member. Uh, then you, you know, you're on a list that gets updates about uh, local activities. We have a number of workshops coming up, um, and uh, you know, opportunities to get involved. Um, you know, and I'm not surprised. I mean, somebody like you, you know, you, you described your your background. You know, your family was liberal, so you absorbed that worldview, and you're involved in you know in political conversation. Um, but you know, for most most people, you know, they don't. Uh, uh, they, they, most people don't really understand the other side well enough to articulate that side in a clear, coherent way. And so there's a lot of times there's ahas that, that, that come, uh, come out of this for people. The other thing I want to mention, we have a skills workshop that we do that is a two-and-a-half-hour teaching workshop in which people can come, and that can be from seven to 70 people who come, red or blue, it doesn't matter, where we really teach and people get a chance to practice skills of listening, uh, to other, the other side and how to uh, speak in a way that the that the other side might actually uh, be able to hear you. That's something that I, I might have to look into, although listening is, when, when you're in talk radio, frequently leads to dead air, so I have to moderate that <laughs> approach. Right. By the way, I posted a link to Better Angels' website at uh, shotinthedark.info on the show post for today, if, in case people are, uh, for those who are interested. I do highly recommend it for, for people. I, I also think it's interesting that uh, what gets a lot of people involved in politics is emotional reactions to issues in which they are deeply involved. Uh, yes. and, and I know, for example, I became... Uh, uh, very highly involved in politics, really for the first time as a as a Second Amendment advocate. When I was basically seeing people pouring oil down the slippery slope, and uh, and saw an awful lot of people like me who who led w- from with issues. That's what I found. I guess one of the things I had reinforced at the at the session that I went to with Better Angels is that that, that there's an awful lot of emotion wrapped up in these things, and it's very hard to reason with a heavily emotional uh, motivation with people. Better Angels, I think, does a decent job of trying to disconnect the knee-jerk emotional response that that a lot of people just naturally bring to a process that for them is fundamentally emotional in the first place. That's right. Exactly right. Uh, You know, I I was the lead designer of these workshops, and I can tell you that it it was based on creating a container where people get a chance to listen without having to immediately respond. So listen and learn rather than declare and debate. 
Yeah, which is, I mean, there's plenty of forums for debate in this country. I mean, face, yeah. Facebook has has broadened and I think deeply cheapened uh, the the skill of the debate skills of, this, of people in this country. And uh, it's, I mean, there's there's so many avenues and venues for for bringing your opinion out there and just blasting that emotion out there broadcast in a way that we never had before. I think it's, I think it's making everything a lot more difficult for everyone. And so uh, I, I'm very interested in these, in these exercises, Mr. Dari. Well, great. Yeah, so people want to see the opposite of what we do. Uh, 60 Minutes, Oprah Winfrey did two segments with a group of Reds and Blues in which she just said things like, what do you think of immigration? And then they tore at each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's just, you know, a, uh, just you have a group of tigers on one side, lions on another, throw red meat in the middle. Um, the exact, and, and, and I'm real so glad we're having this conversation that you've been there because what some people are afraid of in going to a workshop is that's what's going to be, and it is not going to be that. Oh yeah, no, it, it it is. They are the. I mean, those sorts of exercises, uh, the Oprah, the sixty minutes exercises, are the the new gladiator fights. They are the gladiator yeah. fights of our modern era here, and and there are people who are entertained by it. And people make a lot yeah. of money. I mean, Sean Hannity makes a whole lot of money being the gladiator master out there. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's 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 anyway. So this we could go on for at least another couple segments on this. Bill Doherty, we're up against a hard break at the end of the show here, but do appreciate this. What's the website one more time if people want to get involved? Yeah, Better they Angels. can just. Google Better Angels, uh, and uh, we'd be happy to get them hooked up to workshops. Uh, we just had our first convention with 70 Red, 70 Blues in Virginia. We produced a declaration to America about polarization. We are half red and half blue at the leadership level all the way through this organization. And I bet the Reds did a much better job of... No, I can't go there. I can't go there. <laughs> Bill Doherty, it's been my pleasure. Let's let's do stay in touch on this. I have the link to the website at uh, shotinthedark.info. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the broadcast with us. This is Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. Uh, Brad Carlson up at 2 o'clock tomorrow. Tune back in. See you all. God bless you all. God bless America. is a more dangerous place now than ever before. So, who do you trust for security at your business or for your next event? Here at AM1280, The Patriot, we trust Midwest Protection Agency. Their staff is highly trained, incredibly professional, and provides services such as executive protection and transportation, corporate security, and workplace violence security services. To contact Midwest Protection, visit them online at mwprotection.net. That's mwprotection.net. Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. It takes a lot of courage to face your own death, but I'm glad I finally did. See, I was putting off getting life insurance to protect my family, even though I knew it was important. Then my neighbor's husband died. I watched her struggle emotionally and financially. It really made me face reality. If my husband died, how would I pay the mortgage, the car payments, or keep up the life the kids and I had? I realized I needed to get us life insurance right away. So I called AIG Direct. In less than five minutes, I had a quote. I was shocked at how affordable it is. Just $14 a month for $250,000 of term life coverage. I feel so much better knowing my family has protection. Call AIG Direct right now for a free no-obligation quote. The call takes less than five minutes, and you can save up to 70%. Call now, 1-800-458-3263. That's 1-800-458-3263. 1-800-458-3263. 
Patriot listeners, save up to 25% on your business cleaning services. Are you thinking of changing your cleaning company? Are you looking for cleaner bathrooms, dust-free windowsills, and a higher level of quality control? Hi, I'm Jessica Carter, owner of CTC Professionals. We specialize in cleaning car dealerships and office buildings throughout the Twin Cities metro area. You'll get high-quality service when you choose us as your cleaning service provider. Call us at 651-404-0132 or visit our website at affordablebusinesscleaning.com. As a bonus to Patriot listeners, you'll get your first initial cleaning at no cost and up to 25% off your first full month of service. We will work hard to make your facility as clean as possible without breaking your budget. So call us today at 651-404-0132. That's 651-404-0132. Or visit our website at affordablebusinesscleaning.com. Join Gene Sullivan each week on Where You Live, where he takes on... Uh, Gene, who do you take on anyway? Maniacal landlords, slippery renters, overbearing HOA boards, demanding homeowners. Oh, and the legislative lunacy brought on by local politicians wanting to fix everything for us. It's a common sense perspective on the news and stories that affect you the most right where you live. Join Gene Sullivan every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on AM 1280 The Patriot. AM 1280, The Patriot, is WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul. FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.